0: Welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge-watch, deep-dive, and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing season one of The End of the Fucking World. Damask, uh, how you been? What's going on? Uh,
1: well, it was Easter, so... Oh, yeah, it was. Praise Jesus. <laughs>
0: so um, what done. did you do with your Easter long weekend?
1: Uh, well, I worked, and I also... I, I might have partied a little hard, oh. so my energy level... Is still recovering. Oh, I think. okay. Um, what did you do?
0: Um, I what did I do? Went to the comedy festival. Saw uh, Celia Pacuola. She was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. There's a big comedy festival in Melbourne for the next month. Basically, mm-hmm. Tabasco's working it. I'm just going to shows. <laughs> yeah, I am
1: working it. Yep,
0: I got the I got the good side of this. Yeah, you do. Fuck. Um, you. What else did I do? Went and saw my parents. Yeah, watched a bit of footy. Yeah. You know, all that sort of stuff.
1: I saw my friend perform at the comedy fest. Actually, who's that? That's probably the only time. Give, title. Him a, give him a plug. Uh, it's. Chelsea Zeller, she's performing Massive Bitch, uh, which is on at the Butterfly Club. Check her out. I don't know. Google it. Google it, people. If you're Excellent. in Melbourne, go see her. And
0: if you she's haven't picked great. this out by yet, we do swear on this show. The, uh, <laughs> the title of the show we're discussing today, obviously, has a big F word in the middle of it. We aren't going to censor that. End of the effing so
1: world. It. Yeah,
0: not going to do that. No. All right, let's get into it. Off topic, hot topic. Off topic, hot topic. Ah. That's whatever you were talking about for you. So, let's start off with some Brian Fuller watch. Oh, um, something's happened. He has posted a photo of mm. his dog wearing a Death Star costume, costume, and now he's calling his dog Grand Moth Barkin. So, that's that's the latest from Brian Fuller.
1: Thanks for that, bro.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we had an update in a while. Worth the
1: wait. Woo. Yeah, I'll <laughs> that was have the highlight to, to go check it it's out.
0: It's actually pretty good. I might <laughs> add it into the show notes. Oh, <laughs> Grand Moffbuck and a uh, right. little Instagram pic. Yeah, good. cool. <laughs> all right. I got some news for you. you ready? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, as we've done the past from now, on, I think we're going to do this, I'm going to give you the headline. And if you go, I don't give a shit, we're going to move on. All right? Haven't
1: we been doing that for like the last five One weeks? One week? Oh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay.
0: But to just say yay or nay, and I'll either continue going right. or not, all right? Okay, so this comes from Kimberly Roots at TV Line. American Gods adding new media role to replace departed Gillian, J- A- Gillian Anderson. Or Gillian Anderson?
1: Okay, well, I'm going to say yay just because... Well, I'm going to say nay, though, but oh, I don't know. Because I don't uh, care because I already know that news.
0: No, but when, you know the, I mean? when I say new media, I mean the character's name is New yeah, Media. I know, yeah. Wait, what, is the in, ca- what? Okay. Let's okay. go yay, then. <laughs> Do that again. So I'm going to read uh, some sort of uh, straight out of the article here. Looks like American Gods tech boy has a plugged in new buddy. The Stars series will add... The role of new media... So,
1: in the narrative, it's a The news- role will be oh, new media in the upcoming
0: okay. season two uh, TV Line Has Learned Exclusively. We hear the show is searching for a 20-something Asian woman to play the series' regular part, which symbolises the role of social media in modern American life, the oh, same way that Gillian Anderson's... I know who they should Gillian cast. Anderson's I know who they should cast. Media represents television and pop culture in season one. Though stars has no comment, it appears that the series is moving to fill the gap left by Anderson's departure from the series, mm-hmm. which is interesting, right? So... The title or the, the headline I've seen is that new media will replace media, right? In yeah. the new series, in the character. But there's no confirmation of that. They could actually just be a new character and media will still exist, just played by somebody else. Mm. But they also might be using Anderson leaving the show as a way to like either change and morph the character or come up with a new character, just step into that role, basically. Which is interesting. Interesting idea.
1: Yep. I mean, I'm not really interested you know, well, <laughs>
0: just American Gods at all anymore? I don't think so. Oh. No. Who do you think should be? You said you know who someone should play the role.
1: Yeah, Scarlett Johansson.
0: Scarlett Johansson? Yeah. The twins <laughs> of the Asian yeah. woman? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sick burn. <laughs> well you, done. Thank you.
1: Thank you. All right, moving on.
0: <laughs> uh, True Detective Season 3 director exits after two episodes. Oh,
1: no. Oh, no. Yeah, I want to hear about that. I want to hear about that mess.
0: <laughs> so some minor changes have come to the long delayed third, se- third season of HBO's True Detective, director and executive producer Jeremy Jeremy Saulinia? Saulnia, yeah, let's go with that. Jeremy Solnia, <laughs> sure. who was set to split directing duties uh for the entire run with show creator Nick Pizzolatto, has left after completing the first two episodes. Prolific TV helmet Daniel Sackheim. Whom the FX, the Ameri- who's known for the FX Americans, uh, is filling the void. So the show's episode can is still unknown. Sackheim is expected to, to divide up all the episodes with uh, Pete Salato, who is stepping into the director's chair for the first time this season. So this is the guy who created the show. Mm. He's also stepping into direct this season, which is an interesting idea. Um, the first season was done by someone completely different. Um, oh, was it? Yeah, the first oh. season, the guy who directed the first season, did not direct season two. Have you watched season two of? True no, Detective? I heard it was shit. So yeah, I, never got I didn't touch it either. Basically, I'm going to paraphrase from here on out, all that HBO has said is that there were scheduling conflicts, though the way it's been reported again is that by a lot of outlets is that this is a huge drama that the guys left early. So, whether he wasn't happy, whether Mm. there were creative differences, that's not being said at all. Oh, gosh. Reading between the lines, maybe that's going on. Are we going to do three
1: of True Detective*? do you think?
0: It I might depend on what the initial reaction is yeah. if it's worth investing in at all. Because I haven't done season two, it'd feel a bit weird. But I would like to because I really like season one. Yeah, we I watched mean, season one together, basically, didn't we? I think
1: yeah, it would be interesting to talk about. Yeah, we did watch it together. Um, season one, cause obviously it would be quite a positive review to season two, which I'm assuming would be a negative one. If season three is good, I think that could be an interesting kind of. So you think we should on. do? We should review the previous
0: seasons as well as season three. I'm happy to do that. I think so. That'd be fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's usually what we do, right?
0: Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Cool. We'll do that. Or am
1: I just acting like we have a system when we clearly don't? No, no.
0: No, you're right. (laughs) With the one exception being when we did Game of Thrones season seven or whatever. God.
1: like Yeah. Yeah, It's a lot to live through.
0: Indeed. All right. One more headline for you. I think Mm -hmm. you'll like this one. You may have heard this already. A league of their own TV series in the works at Amazon.
1: I have not heard this.
0: Yay or nay? <laughs>
1: Yay. Go, read on, dear friend. Okay. Read on.
0: This comes from Leslie Goldberg from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, so, she writes, Amazon Studios is ready to take a big swing. The retail giant slash streaming service is developing a TV series based on the 1992 A League of Their Own, the Tom Hanks and Gina Davis feature, directed by Penny Marshall. Mozart in the Jungles, Will Graham, and Broad City's Abby Jacobson
1: Oh,
0: will co-write and executive produce what is being described Uh, Less as a traditional reboot reboot, and more as a modern look at the story. The project is being envisioned as a half-hour comedy series. Amazon's modern take will not feature either Davis, Dottie, or her kid sister, Kit, Laurie Mm -hmm. Petty, both of whom served as the central characters in the movie. Here's the official log line A League of Their Own is a half hour comedy infused with warmth, humor, and DNA of the classic film while taking a contemporary spin on the series of the women surrounding the All American Girls Professional Baseball League. The show will begin with the formation of the league in 1943 and follows the Rockford Peaches season to season as they struggled to keep the team alive through close games injuries late night bar crawls sexual awakenings not crying and road trips across a rapidly changing united states the series dives deeper into the issues facing the country while following a ragtag team of women figuring themselves out while fighting to realize their dreams of playing professional baseball
1: i'm pretty fucking in like i I I, like that sounds like a jam it'll be like because when we were talking about, oh, you weren't here for Glow, No, but I in wasn't. our, you know, our private discussions about Glow, it's like two of my favorite things from childhood, which was like a League of Their Own and wrestling. Yeah, and this is just gonna be a League of Their Own. It's
0: it's a le- well, it sounds like the same thing. A half-hour yeah. comedy sounds just like Glee, uh, not Glee, uh, Glow. Yeah, that was a half-hour comedy as well. Fuck yeah, I think they could really take the DNA <sighs> of Glow and just infuse that. Take mm-hmm. a League of Their Own, make yeah. it a a different period, but a period piece like Glow and. Go run wild with that. That could be really fun. That is
1: very exciting.
0: I'll give you some bonus little... I like this little juicy bit from the article as well. This is the second time that League of Their Own has been rebooted for the small screen. CBS tried unsuccessfully in 1993. The series was pulled after three episodes. Oh, I wonder if there's... Is this? You can watch the pilot episode. (laughs) It's on the Hollywood Reporter article Article, for this, which I will link in the show notes. (gasps) Oh, I'll be checking that Uh, out. I've watched all of 10 seconds of it and... There's a bit at the very start where they're just playing baseball out in the field, yeah. and then it goes into the locker rooms, and as soon as it went into the locker rooms, it's like, shit, that's a three-camera sitcom oh, set up. Wow. Well. And then there's a line delivered by the guy who's playing whatever Tom Hanks' role was in the movie. Yeah,
1: who's the coach.
0: He had the coach yeah. and then he says something uh, like it's a very poor joke and then there was a laugh track. I'm like, fuck, I'm out. <laughs> I'm outy Wow,
1: that's such a weird choice. A
0: weird choice, right? But back in nineteen ninety three, maybe that made sense. Well,
1: I mean, that's all you could do. Yeah. I don't know. It was just
0: trying to recreate cheers. I think everyone was trying to do that at the time.
1: But with a league of their own, mm. that's so bizarre. What a bizarre choice. But anyway, I'm I'm down for. I mean, as soon as you said it, like Abby Jacobson, I was like, yeah, okay, that's
0: the bit. Every every article I've read of this is just that Abby Jacobson is the yeah the very the image. exciting, mm. very exciting, very cool stuff. All right, I've just got one more. This is sort of a bonus story I've just come across. Um, here we go. This one comes from Ashley Cullens at the Hollywood Reporter. Stranger Things creators sued for allegedly stealing concept for nec- Netflix show. Yay or nay? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Charlie Kessler says he pitched the idea for Stranger Things to Matt and Ross Duff at a party in 2014. Um, they're being sued for this, for stealing this idea. Um, he, Charlie Kessler is suing for breach of implied contract, claiming he pitched them this concept for a sci-fi story set near an abandoned military base during a party at the 2014 Tribeca Film Festival. Kessler says Stranger Things is based on his short film, Montauk, and feature film script titled The Montauk Project, both of which are set in the New York City of the same name, which he says is home to various urban legends and paranormal conspiracy theories. Um, and so then he wants compensation for them to stop using his ideas, basically. How do you feel about that?
1: It sounds like a vague idea was probably spoken about and then nothing really came of it. So, like, I
0: mean... I mean, based on the details that we've been given here, I don't know how specific it gets, whether he meant. I mean, if the concept of the upside down, for instance, came from there, the exact terminology or something like that, or demogorgon or something like that, Mm. or like 11 and the idea of something specific from the show, that'd be something. But based off what we're getting there... The idea of making a sci-fi television show set in a small town that's near that has something to do with the military, that that's ridiculous. That's one of the yeah. most. Uh, of all of a sudden, the X Files and Fringe and <laughs> everything, it, Stephen King and everybody, Steven Spielberg should be suing the Duffer Brothers for stealing their intellectual property because that is such a broad and like the thing is about Stranger Things. It's already just an amalgamation of different genres and concepts already it's yep. a nod to spielberg and king as we said and like slasher films and all sorts of stuff
1: yeah so like what kind of contract did they have
0: they didn't have any it was an implied contract because he pitched it to them at a party in meaning that hey i'm going to tell you this idea because i want you to help me make it don't steal it
1: oh right yeah no sorry no nah. that's that's sometimes, like, you just, like, have a conversation at a party and if something comes over, I don't know, three years later, just, like, let it go. You know what I mean? Like,
0: Oh, no, like, if you really had an original different idea and you trusted someone to not go and pinch that idea off you and make it themselves, exploit your ideas, that's one thing. But I just don't think that he had an idea there. This sounds...
1: Yeah, no, it sounds... Think, yeah, like you said, if it's, you know, there's this girl called Eleven and there's, like, a, like secret experiments on these kids on mm-hmm. town ta- in this town and it's, like, kind of like I want it to be, like, E.T. And, like, if it's very specific and you have a clear plan and a clear idea, sure. But if you're just, like, talking in vagaries yeah. at a fucking party, God, why are you going to... Spend so much money like pursuing that.
0: It sounds opportunistic is what it sounds yeah. like. It sounds like somebody is having more success than you, somebody you can vaguely come to some sort of mm. connection with. Maybe I can make a quick buck out of them. Maybe it's just easier for them if they settle rather than actually going to court and they'll just give me you know, a bit of a payout and I'll just walk away a happy man with my pockets full. Yeah. Sounds a bit like that to me. Um, that's it for news this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in terms of what I've been watching, I've been watching – End of the fucking world. Yeah. I've also been watching Getting Way Ahead on the Wire. Naughty. Season five, um, which I'm not going to discuss, but I'm looking forward greatly to discussing it next week. Mm. The only other thing I've really seen this week, apart from watching, I think I, I started watching Warcraft, the Warcraft movie in the background
1: oh, while buddy. I was
0: doing some stuff. Yeah. I got th- about 15 minutes in and went over more of that. Mm. And then um, I put on the Batman Lego movie in the oh, background, which I've seen before. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. And the only other thing I've seen is on April Fool's Day, the Rick and Morty Bushwold Adventures short, which I just showed you. You
1: did literally just show that to me. Which like was
0: last year at April Fool's Out Swim released the first episode of season three of Rick and Morty yeah. and put on loop on their streaming service yeah. for the day. Like months and months ahead of when it was meant to come out. Mm. Which was the best April Fool's joke of all that time.
1: That was a
0: delight. That yeah. was amazing. And this year they have this like eight or ten minutes short mm. of a basically Aussie Rick and Morty. What did you think?
1: Um, it began and I was having a bit of a a giggle at the Australianisms of it all. Uh, but I don't know, it got pretty old pretty quickly for me. <laughs> to be, honest with you. I'm, I'm not a huge fan. I didn't find it particularly funny. Do no. you have
0: you? So this was made by Michael Cusack. Um, who's famous for YOLO and Damo and Darren. Have you ever mm. seen any of his...
1: Are they the, like, um, the Dari things? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I figured that was him, yeah.
0: Your sicky butt brain. Yeah, sicky butt brain, that's sicky it. Siggy butt brain.
1: Yeah, which is, like, that's funny in, like, a short kind of... A, a very short clip. Yeah. But 11 minutes of... I don't know, I, did, I just... I didn't... The thing about it that was funny, I guess, was the fact that it was Australian. Yes. But beyond that... It, there weren't really any jokes. No. So no. it got. It was I just joined it
0: for its authentic Australianism of it, right? Right. So it starts off and like, you know, Bushworld adventures, and you're like, oh, okay, it's going to be some American's version of Australia. And then the specificness of things, like the bit mm. where he's getting, more he's getting petrol, mm-hmm. and the guy is like, you know, you can get two of those for a dollar or 50 cents for a bottle of water and then the yeah. rewards come. I'm like, fuck, that's me every day. <laughs> I do that. That's every day for me is the exact scenario, yeah. except <laughs> the bit where Rick shoots him. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed, yeah, I enjoyed the little moments. I was like, oh, that's enjoyable. And just that
0: they're going to Bendigo, which is where we went to high school and where we know each other from. Yes, this that's, is true. Of all we the, are, all the hilarious names of towns,
1: whether Bendigo. it's Wagga
0: Wagga <laughs> or Cooper Pedy or I don't know. There's lots of them. <laughs> There's, a, a <laughs> There's more a lot than of that. absurd
1: names, yeah.
0: Um, Dubbo. Dubbo. <laughs> There's they went with Bendigo. Bendigo, thanks guys. Yeah, appreciate that. Apparently, Bendigo tourism is going really well at the moment too because of that. Oh, good. Um, do you have anything for off-topic hot topic?
1: I don't simply because I've just been like so busy with the comedy fest, working that, and also. Being very hungover most days because I've I've been going a bit hard, I'll be honest with you. Oh, Oh, I did actually, I watched Logan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very hungover. Oh, it's a shame. I really enjoyed it though, but I was like,
0: it was struggling to stay awake. You emotionally, this is the uh, Wolverine, the final Hugh Jackman Wolverine film. Mm. Yeah, Uh, no, it was
1: great. And I, you know, it was a lot of feelings.
0: Did you, how do you feel about it as like, this is so Wolverine's been, or Hugh Jackman's Wolverine's been around since the X Men film in like 2001 or whatever mm. it was when that came out. That has been the longest running. He's like, in terms of a single actor playing the same character and however many movies he's done, plus the superhero friend, like think of how the superhero genre has changed in the last 20 years. Mm. And so seeing me, I think it's like pretty incredible to see the end of that era of him playing Wolverine. But then to see the maturity of this film compared mm. to the other X-Men and Wolverine films is really something I think I was really impressed with. yeah Logan i was I way. was
1: glad that was that he got such a quality film to say goodbye to Wolverine on that like that made me really happy.
0: And um what's his name is Mr. Picard. What's his name? Uh...
1: Mr. Picard. <laughs>
0: Oh. Anyway, Charles Xavier. No,
1: no, no we need to... Oh. Okay,
0: this is embarrassing. We can get this. Oh. Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Oh
1: my god!
0: <laughs> Patrick Stewart theoretically it's that's his last turn. So long. Yeah. That's I was never
1: gonna get that. I would never have chosen Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Okay,
0: all right. Um Patrick Stewart's <laughs> last go around as Professor Xavier yeah. as well. Yeah, it was great. And, uh but you liked it, okay, good.
1: Yeah, no, it was it was no, good. It nothing was else
0: serious. beyond that. Did you like the girl playing uh uh Weapon X? What's her name? Uh, the Little Girl. X twenty three,
1: yeah. Yeah, she was she was great. She was, she was terrifying. She I was, was. I was genuinely scared of I her. I loved
0: her physicality. Like yeah. when she is the first like bit the where she's like a wild
1: animal, yeah. Yeah.
0: Was really like, oh wow, mm. you would be actually really intimidating to come across you and that's to cool. They
1: actually got like a little Mexican girl to
0: play mm-hmm. it. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hmm walked it. Excellent.
1: And um the chick from Orange and New Black plays the nurse lady at the beginning that that saves her? Oh, I don't remember. Um Dia's mum.
0: Oh, yeah, it is too. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yep. All right. I think if we're done there, let's get into our season in review. Let me clue you in.
1: Season in review.
0: The End of the Fucking World is a British black comedy slash drama, which first aired on the UK's Channel 4 on October 24, 2017, and tells the story of James, a 17-year-old self-diagnosed psychopath who plans to kill Alyssa, a rebellious outsider looking to escape her boring life. Produced by Channel 4 in the UK and distributed internationally as a Netflix original series, the show is adapted from the Charles Forsman 2013 comic book of the same name. Originally, director Jonathan Entwistle, I love that name, mm-hmm. planned to turn the story into a film, then a web series, and finally was given funding to make a short, which released in 2014. This did not generate enough interest for a feature film, so Entwistle and producer Dominic Buchanan instead decide to make a TV series recruiting Lucy... Cherniak as an additional director in casting Alex, uh, sorry, Alex Lather and Jessica Barden as the, as the starring roles. Season one of The End of the Fucking World consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 20 minutes and took us approximately two hours and 45 minutes to watch. The first season also covers the complete story of the original comic book source material and while Netflix are reportedly interested in a second season, no continuation has been confirmed as of yet. Namask, how did we come by End of the Fucking World and why did we decide we wanted to review it?
1: I think you watched it and told me that you liked it and wanted to talk about it, (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) I found
0: it. I was searching on Netflix. The trailer came up. Mm. I uh, watched it through my girlfriend. I'm like, oh, all right, let's yeah. watch that. And we watched the entire thing in one night. Yeah. Which was not hard.
1: No, it's two hours and... 45 minutes.
0: 45 minutes. It, it's amazing. Each episode is like 20 minutes in like mm. ridiculous. So good. And so refreshing. I'm so appreciative of it. Me too. Thank you, British television. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, the, that was the, how we came by it. So, checked it out and really liked it and then thought you would. So, suggested that mm. we do it for the show. Um, so, I'm going to ask you, what are your spoiler-free... Review slash thoughts of End of the Fucking World.
1: You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Good prediction. Yes, yes. one from Brooke. Um, I mean, this is a show that understands the importance of connection mm. you know, and how it makes us stupid but brave, how it makes us vulnerable but resilient and end of the fucking world shows how exhilarating all of that can be, particularly when you're a teenager, when it's your first experiences of the world and realising that it's bigger than you believed it to be. Like, I, oh, and how, oh, fuck, I just, I really love this show. Oh, wow, I can (laughs) tell.
0: I like it. Good.
1: And it also, for me, delves into how our understanding of love, you know, as teenagers Mm is... Isn't through generally, I think, through familial bonds that, you know, we're forced into or just, you know, we have no choice usually to be a part of. But our understanding of love, it begins to form in those tenuous relationships that we mold ourselves Mm. and how, like, it's that innate fragility that, like, gives them so much value. And, like, that is such an overwhelming experience as a teenager because so much of what you're going through is internal, which mm-hmm. I think this show also displays beautifully. And the performances from the two leads are pitch perfect. The world built around them, for me, is practically flawless. Yeah. I love it. Um, everything, yeah, from the casting, actors, performances, the writing, the setting, the music, it's all so immersive that it creates this perfectly clear, concise, and powerful story
0: concise is a good word, yeah
1: can you tell that I love it like i I just love it
0: good, I love it, oh, excellent, yeah,
1: what are your thoughts?
0: Uh, I really, really like the show, mm-hmm. a lot, I think it's charming mm-hmm. I think it's Charm's I like
1: definitely a good word for this yeah
0: like that it's dark, but it's not like. Too dark. Either it's not
1: oppressively dark. Not
0: oppressively yeah. dark, and it, it's a dramedy. It's got definitely elements of comedy mm. and definitely elements of like straight I was drama.
1: laughing out loud.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, there are there are there was a line actually. I can't remember what it was. But um, it's, what, it's interesting because I'm watching this the second time. Mm. And sometimes the second time around, sometimes I laugh more and sometimes I laugh less because I see things coming. There's no surprise mm. or shock anymore. Mm-hmm. And there was a line and I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. I'm not going to try and remember. But I was like, I don't remember that from last time and pissed myself laughing. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, I, I like that it's kind of silly because it starts in a, in, a, in a place. I love where it starts. I love where it starts mm. with James, I'm a psychopath. You know, yep. I'm going to kill this girl. I've been doing these things. You know, I've put my hand in a um a deep, deep fryer fire. to feel something, and it's these really like played tropes of yeah. a psychopath, and and it's kind of silly mm-hmm. in how in its angstiness. Yeah, and the same goes for Alyssa. Alyssa. Yeah, who she's
1: that girl. Usually a female character that we certainly have seen before. Yeah, yeah.
0: In which sense? What sense?
1: In the sense that. She is – I think of movies like Ghost World and stuff where she's like that indie girl on the edge sure. with attitude. They always have that big fucking jacket. Yes, They're yes. walking around and just kind of like, you know, spitting at their suburban life.
0: Is it Lindsay in uh, – not not quite that same extreme, but, you know, she's wearing the jacket. Cause oh, she's Lindsay, yeah, from, from um, um, Freaks, Freaks and Geeks. And Geeks. Yep. So, a similar type of thing. Yeah. I love – one of my favorite moments – in the bit with Alyssa in sort of learning her character is when her friend texts her from across the table. She's like, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And her friend says, it's free. And she just takes the phone and smashes <laughs> on the ground and smiles and then walks away. Yeah. I mean, think that's, that's a really good bit of just character work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but so while it's silly in its then there but there is some real darkness, but also some real heart under all of it. And the fact mm-hmm. that it can find this blend of all of those tones is really, really impressive. Yeah. It's very sharply written. There's barely a word wasted. There really isn't, in the, especially between the two leads. Mm-hmm. Um, the great look greatly performed, as you said, especially by the two leads in this, I think it's beautifully shot. Yeah. Like, you don't... I don't think you normally necessarily notice the that work as much as I do. But no. I'm sure even you know some of the yes. gorgeous cinematography yeah. in this.
1: I mean, for me, like, I... I don't have the vocabulary to describe what I'm seeing mm. or how it's being done, but I certainly, it's. F- it felt stylized to me. It felt stylish. It, it had a, it had a, to- a tone all the way through in all of the, the different elements, if you know what yeah. I mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's there were deliberate choices to make a specific, specific tone and style to it. Mm-hmm. And like you look at the first episode is a really good example when we're being introduced to James and he's talking about like his history and the shot choices or the the way they show like the animals he's killed or the him putting his hand in the Deep Fry, it's actually kind of, it mm. reminds me a little bit of that's an egg It's That's certainly
1: not part of a spoiler, surely, because it's like- It's, it's in, in the trailer. trailer. Yeah. yeah, it's all cool. there. It's
0: cool. fine. Cool. It's really, it's the premise of the show. Yeah. As a psychopath, I'm going to kill this girl. Yeah. Sorry if that's a spoiler. You think that's a spoiler? <laughs> that is literally the first episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, And and it's in the trailer. But the, and even all the shots I'm talking about right now, I'm pretty sure are in the trailer too, mm-hmm. so I'm not giving anything away yeah. there. Yeah. But the it's actually there's a bit of an Edgar Wright style to it which is you yeah, know common totally. yeah in terms of some of the musical choices at times mm-hmm. remind me of things like Scott Pilgrim and that makes sense when you think of like um, the age group of these kids mm. um, although they're actually probably a bit younger than Scott Pilgrim but they're I mean Scott Pilgrim is about adults who should be more grown up than they are yeah they're sort of still childish But anyway moving on the and then some of the editing choices and stuff like that, the way the headphones come off and the music cuts out, and very stylized in that sense, mm. but not as like poppy or pop art style as Edgar Wright's stuff can be, which is often very bright and, mm-hmm. and cartoony as well. And it doesn't have that going for it, um, but that works for it as well. And then you've just got some beautiful shot choices. There's one bit where they're walking through a forest, and I love some of these tracking shots, um there would be dolly shots actually with the camera moving beside the kids and you can see in this instance the one I'm thinking of right now the light filtering in through um the trees and it's Mm. just this beautiful like dusk sort of sunlight which is it's a fantastic shot it's in the trailer as well I think and possibly some of the promo stuff there's another one later um with Alyssa when she walks out of a store and past a wall and it's this long dolly shot across this wall, which is really close, and then the we it takes the depth out of the shot and then puts it straight back in when she gets around the other side and she starts doing something and it's it's so well not just the shot choices but the mm. the staging of them and the yeah
1: I think the the constant like change' well, not constant, but the changing of perspectives in ways that made me aware of them made me go, oh yes, this is from a graphic novel. You know what I mean? Like, this is, like, the source material that I can see, like... And it's not obnoxious. It's not no. overwhelming at all, but it just made me go, oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. It 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 has a deliberate... Deliberateness? No, that doesn't make sense. It has a care that goes into it, mm. same as somebody who would put care into making panels of a comic. It feels like yeah. every shot and image is decided purposefully with that. Mm. And even... There is a real rhythm to the dialogue. And because you've got the mix of what they're saying to each other and what they have, their internal monologues, particularly or mainly just the two main characters. But there is this very deliberate comic booky sort of rhythm um, that the shot choices go along with that. And the yeah. way it's edited, the pace it's edited, it's so really, really well done. I love that. And they obviously, that was what they were going for. Sometimes you look at a show and you, I you know, feel like they're aiming for a particular time, right? So, a lot of shows will have to hit 22 minutes. And so, when we talk about something like The Good Place, and I feel like it's rushing, Mm -hmm. right? It's because I can see them making editing choices just to shorten and truncate things, not because they're trying to actually find a tone, whereas this is one episode's 19 minutes, the next episode's 22 or 23 minutes. And Probably the script lengths were the same, mm-hmm. the same page numbers, but they just found in the edit that this works better to do yeah. it at this pace. I love there's that.
1: a little bit more leeway with British television? To-
0: I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say yes because British television same, be. tends to just be... I mean, it's such an over-exaggeration. That's something I do want to talk about. One of the things I love about this is there's just as many episodes as there should be. There's no more and yeah. no less. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if you edited this in a way, this would just be a movie. Two hours and forty-five minutes. Yeah, exactly. You could take fifteen to half an hour out of this and have a really good film out of it too. Honestly, mm-hmm. a film that I would love and a lot of critics would love, and they could easily be talked about, you know, at film festivals and maybe even you know awards. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that good, and. Um, uh, but I, and it's easy for me to just say, "Oh, the British do this really well." You know, they keep making series, and they they'll only do three episodes of Sherlock a season, or they'll only be six episodes of Faulty Towers and two seasons of that, and then it's done. They never go back to it or The Office or whatever. Mm. However, I do understand also that we only end up getting so much of what's made in the UK. Yeah, I'd be interested, <laughs> to UK listeners, you can probably tell me of all the trash mm. that gets made, yeah, um, in their country or in their yeah. Their kingdom, I guess, I mean, I've watched well. quite a
1: bit of Coronation Street, so. Right, stuff like that. And, th- there's, <laughs>
0: and there's like a million and one panel shows and stuff, which we get a yeah, few of, of but course. we probably only get the good ones, you know. Mm-hmm. We get QI and we get Would You Lie to Me and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And we only get the good stuff. Yeah. Whereas, but then I still feel like we get the crap stuff from America mm. as well as the good stuff, which is the bit that maybe the UK just better at filtering out the rubbish when it goes overseas. I don't know. But whatever it is, yeah. my impression is that British television just tends to be of a high quality. And this is another good example of that. Yeah. I don't... I, I, yeah, It's I mean, hard it's, to justify. It's so
1: hard because we live in Australia and we're not fully immersed in what's actually going and I on. I
0: wonder if people feel the same way about Australia. I wonder if the people get our best television and go, oh, Aussies oh, make great TV.
1: Is anyone getting your television? I don't know. They, <laughs> they
0: did get Please Like Me in some places That's at true. least. That was yeah, the- it
1: was on... The Japanese Netflix when I was
0: over there. No, oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, I think it's on Netflix everywhere now, pretty and much. It was which is definitely cool. in America. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a, there was a couple of other shots as well, which I won't talk about now because they're a bit spoilery. but There's one that ends mm. an episode that's just it's not even necessarily specific in it. It's more about the content in it, and just it's such a it's such just a, a, an image that sticks with me. Mm. And some of the imagery was so so striking. It, actually, at the time I was trying to I was. Inspired to draw when I first watched it. Oh, that's lovely! Like it, it made me want to create something. Mm. I thought it was it was so good. Um, as I said, it's a, I think it's a complete story too. Yes, like it's so. Good. It could easily just be season one of an ongoing story. I
1: really hope it's only season one.
0: It might you. It's this is is in it's only one season. Yeah, or or it could be that it's just if it ends here. Similar to the wire though, I thought at the end of season one of the wire, it's like yeah. If it stopped right now, you'd be pretty happy with where that went. Yep, I could. Um, I'm yeah. It's I get to the end of it and feel satisfied. I like the soundtrack as well. I think I sort of said that when I was talking mm-hmm. about the right Wright stuff. Those weird twangy sort of like I don't know 1940s, 50s era sort of.
1: Yeah, like I f- yeah, certainly very 1950s. Very it yeah. felt there had a sense of Americana about it. Yes, which was very cool and yeah. kind of helped with like this. Setting that could be anywhere. Yep. That yeah, there's something about it that I loved, and it, it certainly helped. I think when we're making a story that's really about like displacement of mm-hmm. young people to like kind of set it. It could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. They could be anywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah the, set, the the place wouldn't matter too much at all. Mm. Um, in fact, when I was doing research for the production history of the show originally when they were talking about making it into a movie was making an American movie so mm. it's an english comic book but i believe but turning it into an american story which would honestly have worked fine yeah um i'm still glad it was made the way it was though
1: i'm glad they got had the lovely young british actors
0: yeah in it mm-hmm. agreed and beyond that i think the only thing i have to left to say is that i highly recommend it i yes, highly recommend absolutely. it check it out and it's on netflix easy to do mhm um should we move on to spoilers? Sure. All right. Well, let's just give our final scores there. What would you rate this out of five stars, Thomas?
1: I've given it a five.
0: Whoa. <laughs> is that two weeks in a row of fives? Was The Wire season four last week?
1: Yeah. What was that? Did I give that a five?
0: I think you gave that a five. Okay. Then well, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're hitting an amazing era.
1: Yeah. So far, so good. But I certainly enjoy this more than...
0: Well, I think, yeah. You, you <laughs> Like This at- is my jam. This is you. Yeah, this yeah. is your jam for sure. Yeah. What's your rating? I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. Ooh. So, yeah, I couldn't give it the full 5. Uh,
1: For reasons th- we'll discuss later? Yeah, or? It, it, it's nothing
0: specific. It's nothing huge. Yeah. Um, weirdly, one of the reasons that I think it's great is also one of the reasons that, because it's short, I kind of would... Think I'd be more invested if I had a little bit more time to do, that, especially in some of the side characters. If that makes mm. sense.
1: No, I, yeah, no, I loved that. I think. Okay, that'll be interesting yeah, to talk the about. The brevity, I think, made me appreciate it more. The I
0: other think. option is it could have been it's whether it could have been a movie and like cut out a little bit of extra stuff and just been a little bit more focused. I probably would have given it more likely to be a five. It's great as it is. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm yeah. not going back on what I was saying. The length of it is good. Mm. Um, it's sort of in this weird, the length it is, the exact mm-hmm. length it is, is just a little bit in between what we could have gotten out of it for some of the other characters and focusing it just a tiny little bit more on our central two. But anyway, that's, yeah. that's, that's yeah, no, I it's think not I, much.
1: I think for me, the amount of time spent in that world is perfect. perfect. Cool. Yeah,
0: Fair enough. Um, go watch or keep listening to the podcast. Obviously, go, and go watch and it. Go and watch it, yeah. So easy to, easy to recommend, easy to consume. All right, mm. let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. On this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one of The End of the Fucking World. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of The End of the Fucking World up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Kids,
1: I'm going to tell you an incredible story
0: Storytime with Damask.
1: Meet Alyssa She's stuck at home with a passive mum and a stepdad That's two fingers of scotch away from being a rapist The poor girl has moved to a new town And the people she's hanging out with Are too busy Snapchatting their navels To be of any real interest to her The only possibly interesting thing About her new shitty suburban life Is a mysterious boy He's a loner Doesn't quite seem to fit And his skin shimmers in the sunlight. Nope, nope, that's Twilight. I apologise. And James is no Edward. He's not an impotent and derivative mess of a character. Nope, he's a psychopath. Or he thinks he's one. James is ready to move on to killing humans after finally becoming bored after years of torturing cats, which I don't understand at all. I'll never get bored of gently smooshing my cat's little poor beans until she gets annoyed and swipes at me. It's the best. Anyway, Alyssa and James start hanging out. They spend their time making out in a very gross and accurate way for teenagers. Or, you know, they'll just walk the streets of their suburb, Alyssa monologuing about how lame everyone is, while James remains silent and thinks about cutting open her trachea and licking her esophagus. God, I miss young love. Alyssa reaches her breaking point when she realises that she not only doesn't fit into her new family, but she probably isn't safe there either. So instead of an evening of romantic cunnilingus followed by some murder, the two kids skip town. James punches his dad in the face, something he's wanted to do for quite a while, and then they steal his car. It's not long before Alyssa's frenzied need for attention and James's passivity leads them to crashing the car. They're forced to hitchhike, which also doesn't go well when the driver turns out to be a total sexual predator. What is with all the men in this show? Oh right, it's reflecting reality. I get it. With not a whole lot of options, Alyssa is convinced that the best plan for them is to go and see her dad. Before they head back out on the road, they break into some weird-looking professor's house to have a bit of wine and a boogie. Things get slightly awkward when Alyssa wants to put James's genitals in her mouth, but he doesn't feel very sexy. Alyssa freaks out and calls him a frigid bitch, so of course she drags a stranger off the street to give her the validation she needs. But it's not long before that encounter leaves her feeling empty and she makes the guy leave. God, there's absolutely no satisfaction for anyone in this show. Alyssa eventually snoozes in the bed and James comes up to kill her. But of course he doesn't because he's not really a killer. He's just a very lonely kid that forgot what being needed and wanted felt like. All of a sudden though, the homeowner comes home. James hides under the bed as the weasel looking dude approaches. Alyssa wakes up and they have a nice chat about home ownership and then she leaves and everything's fine. I wish. I wish that was what happened. So, so badly. But nope. Turns out this guy is a serial rapist. He attacks Alyssa and James springs up from under the bed to stab him right in the jugular. Alyssa is sprayed with blood, but she is safe. What to do now? Well, they do what any kid would do that was raised in a post-CSI, NCIS and Forensic Files world. They clean the crime scene and leave. Sadly, though, these kids weren't very active viewers because they leave behind some crucial evidence. I think I could have done a better job. Two detectives are on the case, Eunice and Terry, but before they're able to assess the crime scene, the serial rapist mum has come along and snatched up some very damning evidence of the past crimes. God damn it! The lady cops quickly figure out who their suspects are, and it's not long before they're hot on their trail. Alyssa is rightly freaked out, not only about the attempted rape, but also that her boyfriend might actually be a cold blooded killer. James is feeling dejected, which is confusing since he hasn't had a feeling since he was about eight years old. He wants Alyssa to recognise that he was being her protector. God, adolescence is so confusing. One minute you're fully erect over the idea of melting your girlfriend's corpse in a vat of acid, and the next you're trying to save her life and feel like Superman. No wonder I spent so much time in my teens riding terrible poultry and crying over episodes of Dawson's Creek. It's a whole lot to process, you know. Alyssa is feeling a little overwhelmed, and she bails, and James is at a total loss. He's never really needed anyone before, and now he understands just how much he needs his new friend. Alyssa is having her own adventure. First, getting her period, and then getting busted for shoplifting—that's a pretty shitty day. I mean, not compared to almost being raped and then witnessing a murder, but for your average person, it'd be yeah, pretty bad. But you know, she eventually is let go and reunites with James, realizing what he did for her. And the crazy kids are back on the road to Alyssa's dad's place. Road trip! On the way, they meet the manager of a petrol station that is representative of every shitty manager in the world. I've had at least five. They almost get caught, but James pretends to hold the place up with a gun to get away. This just adds to the headache for Eunice and Terry, who are now on the trail of two kids that are possibly armed. They arrive at Alyssa's dad's place. His name is Leslie, and he is a drug-dealing, boozy yoga practitioner that has no problem abandoning more than one child and running over dogs. It takes a while for Alyssa to realise all of this, but when she does, it breaks her heart. And she knows that James is the only one who looks after her. Leslie proves himself to be an even bigger shitbag when he dials the authorities to claim a reward. Eunice has abandoned her partner after some very familiar lesbian drama – and figures out where the kids are. She tries to reason with them because she is the best human in the world. She knows, after having convinced the rapist's mum to tell the truth, that he was a bad dude and they acted in self-defence. But the thought of being arrested and separated is too much for these lovebirds. They run away, but not for long. Soon, every cop and his gun is at the scene. James knows the situation is futile, and so he abandons Alyssa, knowing that she didn't kill a man. His fate is different, and he understands that. He runs off, the screen goes black, and we hear a gunshot. Was that a convincing gunshot? Mm. Very good.
0: Thank you. Deep dive. It's cool to know what other people think about this stuff too. Thank you very much, Damask. That was wonderful. You're welcome. Um, do you have anywhere in particular you want to start with this? You seem just a little bit more passionate about this than I do. I've just sort of set this out sort of character wise to begin with, starting with James. Does that let's do you? that. I always okay. like doing that. All right. so James, as I've sort of already said, is it starts interesting place because it starts with mm. that very uh, tried and true psychopath sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and what I like though, is that it does feel like a bit of a fresh take on that overdone cliche. Because I don't think I've ever seen a story go backwards. Absolutely. Go from starting with like, oh, I am a psychopath. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, wait, no, I'm not. It seems to always go the other way, whether it's... Although, I mean, mm, Dexter would explore that idea a little bit, but it never really seemed to have a very clear goal or thesis Mm -hmm. in mind with what it was trying to do with that idea. Um, And any other time I've seen it, it's really been, you know, how this person become a psychopath, what makes them a psychopath, not... I know they're not actually a psychopath. they have just completely...
1: They're emotionally shut down. Exactly. Yeah, And I haven't had any avenue to kind of not be that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it was very – it was such an amazing journey to go through with James because it is – you know, we see in the trailer, we see in that first episode this setup of, well, this is what it's going to be. This is the premise. Mm-hmm. This kid is a psychopath, meets up with this girl who is the perfect victim, like willing to spend time with someone who – clearly has little to no social skills Mm -hmm. whatsoever and is just projecting whatever she wants on him. Perfect. Love it. And then eventually I I was interested because I was like, oh, how am I going to bond with the character of James? How am I going to root for these two kids as a couple if he is a psychopath and is wanting to kill her all the time? Where is this story going to go? I like I was excited to figure that out. Yeah. But then when I realized what they were actually doing is that you no know, as we go along we re- we discover that James is not what we originally thought him to be or what Heath originally thought himself to be. And yeah, it's actually just this poor kid that is so shut down and yep. emotionally repressed. Uh it's just like when he starts smiling, my heart just swells. You know what yeah. I mean? When he like is able to, and even sometimes it's very inappropriate that he's smiling, but just to see some kind of emotion yeah. register in him is really, sorry, is really beautiful. Yeah,
0: it's um, it's interesting that that it's sort of by the middle of the season mm. he has come to this realisation too. At that stage, he actually has killed someone as well. Yeah. But it's that event which makes him realise, like, actually, this is awful. Mm -hmm. And having done it, this isn't me at all. Yeah. Um, To see
1: him vomit afterwards, you're like, yeah, you're a kid. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, right?
0: And I love that the show didn't like... I feel like a lot of other stories would wait until the last minute for him to figure that out, decide that. Yeah. And to sort of get there early on, like Mm -hmm. in the middle, have this event so he can come to terms with that and figure out what's actually going on and actually yeah. stew on that is really nice and good, stri- yeah. great storytelling. And
1: I love it is, you know, it is that violent act that mm. kind of – I mean, it's two things, obviously. obviously it's a protective it's, act as well. It's exactly. It's the context of the yep. act. Um, whereas I think a lot of other shows would have, yeah, he would have killed that guy. And so that would have been the audience's bonding moment with him being like, yes, he is a psychopath, but he could be like a Dexter. You yeah. know what I mean? Where he's like a protector and yep. that kind of thing. And then if they do reveal later that he's not actually a psychopath, it's purely... Um, because he realizes that he actually loves Alyssa. Yeah. Whereas that, like, that's that's not really the route that they went down. It was like this violent act kind of shook him up. He's able to depend on someone throughout the entire season. We sh- we see how important feeling dependent on someone and feeling their dependency on you, mm-hmm. just that connection, is what brings him out of that. Uh, yeah, it's it's so much more complicated and rich. Be- it's so much richer because of the way that they handle that entire situation that we figure out that he's not a psychopath early on. Yeah. That we understand that this kid has been in so much pain mm-hmm. his entire life that he has shut down, that he stuck his... And then like we go back and think, oh my God, he stuck his hand in a deep fryer. His dad clearly didn't send him to get the help that he needed. He's been killing animals, the poor thing, to when we get to the end and he can't even kill a dog that's already going to die. Yeah, I love that moment. It's such a beautiful arc.
0: Yeah. I love it. It's a really interesting moment as well, just not to skip ahead too much, but Leslie, the dad, because he's the one that kills the dog. And Mm. then when he finds out he's done it and his reaction, and it just like, you're a monster. You're a terrible person. Yeah. And, you know, this kid, this self-professed psychopath is Mm. really just a sweetie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: And even, you know, James can recognize in Leslie that, you know, he says, I, I see that there's parts that are missing mm-hmm. in him. And I think James can recognize that because he has such a better sense of his whole self mm-hmm. that he can recognize in others that things are missing, which I really
0: liked. I was like, yeah. I want to run this thing by you as well. Something that um, uh, had an interesting thing I kept well, – this came across completely before we even decide to look at this show. I I had this tweet that came up somewhere in my feed. Mm. And this person, it was an interesting thing, said they couldn't watch the show because they tried to watch the show and cause in the first minute you see you never see the murder, by the way. You never see any animals killed. But the implication that animals were killed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the um the I think they said like, I had to stop watching. I couldn't watch because I hate seeing, like, innocence killed, mm. right? And, like, I'm someone who's very opinionated and likes to speak up and say things. Oh, God, yeah, right. And I wanted to say, oh, that's a real shame because I think you'd like where the story goes. Mm-hmm. I didn't say anything in the end. I actually could sort have of wrote a tweet a couple of times and went, you know what? Fuck off. You don't need my opinion on this. Your mind's made up. Yeah. What am I going to do here mm-hmm. to do this? But I thought that was a really interesting... A position to be in i guess any you know anyone can have that opinion that like oh i can't watch this mm. thing because that thing That it's Repulsism also a real shame
1: because this is a story about innocence
0: but that's the thing right it was the bit that made me go but that sucks that you're gonna sometimes you need to see sometimes mm-hmm. these things need to be part of a story to tell a story if that makes sense yeah and in this instance it is exactly that it's a st- totally a story about innocence is one of the things mm-hmm. and I think there was an expectation about where that story was going to go based on that first two minutes. And part of the charm of the story is that it's subverting that expectation. And yeah. it's a shame that that person's – I was I, – like I said, I was never going to change that person's mind probably. If I tried to fight, they were probably more likely just going to – or tried to suggest so. They're probably just going to fight it further mm-hmm. because they had decided that, you know, that killing in That was the thing they were going to stand That was, That was a line that they could not cross and that's fine. I was like, that's a bit, that sucks because you're going to miss out on good stories about things that you care about mm-hmm. by having yeah. such a hard and fast line on it.
1: Yeah, I can certainly understand not wa- wanting to watch something that feels gratuitous yes. that doesn't benefit the story. Yes. I think when it comes to the killing of animals in this show, to me, it doesn't feel gratuitous Mm-mm. and it it's, certainly it's- services the story. Like, it is very important to the story. And I think for the character of James, one to set up that expectation that they will subvert, yep. and two also to have that beautiful arc towards the end. I 100%. think it's so important. Definitely, and like, and I, I, like, I am very sensitive that to that as well. I think I'm a pretty sensitive viewer, particularly mm-hmm. when it comes to violent things. And I, I just didn't feel that way about this show at all.
0: I agree. Yeah. Um, something else I like about James, I just love how cute and nervous and square he is. <laughs> he, like when you talk about innocence, he mm. is so innocent. Yeah. Whether it's coming to drinking or you know the even the idea of sex, yeah. or then of course his like one of my favorite moments is him and illicit dancing yeah. that first time. It's so he just is able to be like let go for a it's second. Wonderful. It's yeah. so good.
1: It's yeah. To see a kid that literally stopped developing in a lot of ways. at What was it? He was eight, I think. Mm. Like, just it just stopped. Mm-hmm. And to have like spent years just being stuck in one place. Yeah, that scene where they're dancing is so beautiful. To see his, like, those freer movements and just, to, yeah, let go for a second.
0: He almost, he, like, he seems like a complete different person yeah. at that moment. moment. Yeah. It's transformative and exactly what is required, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else about James before we move on to Alyssa? There's a good chance it's all going to come up. Yeah, it's all going p- anyway.
1: to pretty intertwined because this story is so beautifully woven together.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you might disagree with me on the way I've written this and maybe I've tried my best here. You're a bit better with this stuff than I am. But I've sort of written, she kind of, to me, was almost like the anti-manic pixie dream girl in the sense that she shares the spontaneity and un- unpredictable streak that a manic pixie dream girl will have but is super cynical and she's not actually the male character's object of desire, mm. which is something I, I like. I, just mm. about when he subverts a genre, he subverts a character type in The Psychopath. Mm-hmm. She, the idea, like normally a character like her can come along and be really like not very, just be a character there to mm. to be the object of desire or the exciting something for the male character. Mm-hmm. And in this, it's so funny that he what just wants to kill her. For the first part yeah. of it, it takes a long time to yeah, build a I, connection with her.
1: One I love that, and this is very important, I think, when we're talking about like the manic pixie dream girl, is that we get so much of her perspective. Well, that's the other side of it, Which is yeah. so, so important for that. And also we see like if you did want to put her like somehow within that framework, mm-hmm. um, is that because of her manic nature, if you will... She's so vulgar mm-hmm. and, like, you couldn't take her anywhere. And James feels that way. Like, they go to that diner and she's just like, you know, fuck you and stuff. And, like, like he gets, you know, it's like, I was like, oh, that would just be a stressful date. not look like fun at all. Like, she's not freeing him no. in, a, in really any sense of the yeah, word. She's yeah. just like, she's des- She's wanting to be free in herself yep. and just kind of smashing everything as she goes along. Yeah, there's no essence. There's... There's not a sense of romance about her character at all. She's messy and yucky and angry. Mm -hmm. But also because we have that wonderful narration, we see her sensitivity as well, which is great.
0: It's interesting as well. She seems a little more self-actualized at the beginning of this show Mm. than James does. And really when I talk about James sort of comes to some of his epiphanies in the middle of the season... It's not until the end of the season that Alyssa comes to hers, and mm. so we sort of get these like we yeah get one beaten and then the next, and we sort of move between them. And I think that's really good as well. Mm-hmm. It's um, it never feels like one's getting more spotlight than the other. Though I really no. like, like you said, perspective is equally shared. Yeah. Um, and I even liked how you opened your story time with Damask describe with introducing Alyssa first Mm. because you totally could have done that in the show too james is introduced first but it wouldn't have mattered yeah it just would not have mattered if you did the opposite way around
1: but yeah and i understand they did that just because that's the hook
0: you know what i mean absolutely yeah but
1: it's not because they value him more and you never get a sense that they do (laughs) at all in this show which (laughs) is great yeah
0: what about you what are your thoughts on Alyssa?
1: i in the pilot episode i was like oh i don't know if i'm gonna like (laughs) sure not that it's necessary for me to like them but like even just like tolerate in yeah, any yeah, like yeah. sense of the word because I've I found her so brash, mm-hmm. um in a way, and I feel like that's probably like a sexist word to use, but maybe that's just conditioning. Anyway, that was Which my one, reaction. brash. Brash is that?
0: Uh, listen, if you said bossy or something like that, I'd i right, think okay. you are more. I think I think brash is okay. Yeah, I mean, okay.
1: I just like yeah, she's just so so angry and just or- like. Yeah, angry. Yeah, not assertive because I don't mind that. I quite like that Mm. in a character, but she's just she's rude. She's vulgar and rude, and that's you know stressful for someone like me to watch. But yeah, the narration was so important Mm -hmm. in this, and also seeing little glimpses of her home life made me go, "That is so fucked up." God, I am like feel I empathize with you, like, and the subtleties of why she feels unsafe at home while she doesn't feel seen Mm. and how that affects the way she is with the rest of the world. Like their characters are so wonderfully shown to us Mm -hmm. and not in over-the-top ways. Like her stepdad is not – it's the perfect example of that weird, creepy – Abuse that's out there Fucking that s- you can't like point out and be like you know he touched me he's like oh well, where did he touch he's like oh well he just like put his hand on my back and a lot of people will be and like told me to have a okay. drink
0: and yeah. said that I you know put an effort in I actually like talking about my appearance in a weird creepy way and, yeah but never but, but never enough the things to be that averted, people like, yeah, yeah exactly
1: that people just dismiss Oof. and but it's 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 so like insidious and gross and of course you'd be like and you know she witnesses her mum. Who sees it and then like choose and what turns around and walks away. Like she completely sees the whole thing and walks away.
0: The uh the joke, I just remember the joke that I missed the first time I was watching it for some reason mm. I didn't found this time, is the bit where Eunice and um Terry are going to Alyssa's mum and stepdad, mm. and they've both been in there, they've left the room the twins left on the ground, and Eunice is just like I could recommend uh, child support or whatever yeah. it was. I just pissed myself <laughs> laughing. I thought it was really funny that bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, he He's disgusting. Yeah.
1: And, I, and you can certainly understand why someone like Alyssa yeah. would be so aggressive or brash or not have time for anyone's shit because she has been raised by a woman who takes all the shit, mm-hmm. does not say a fucking word, and she's seen it like well, this is where you end up. You end up selling your life to a man that will never love you as much as he loves himself. Yeah, she's
0: got no respect for her mum, so yeah. she takes the exact opposite approach on everything. And you yeah. see that scene where they're like looking at food, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like she almost relishes in eating more than her mum yeah. because, you know, she doesn't want to be her mum. Yeah.
1: Her mum has an unhealthy... Well, she doesn't eat, really. No. And so she's like, well, I'm going to eat everything.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And although they're... Yeah, and... There is, I do love the revelation that it was her mum. Like, the mum is a pathetic character Mm. in in a lot of ways, but I love the revelation that it was her mum that was doing the cards the entire time as well. Of course it is, yeah. Um, You know, that as much as she was a shit mum, she was doing that little bit right. Mm -hmm. And you probably owe her that much at least because it wasn't your fucking dad.
1: But also, like, another example of her mum making excuses or making life easier for the shitty men in her life. Yeah. Being like, Hmm. and I'm sure she thought that, she was doing the best thing for her daughter but sometimes it's just best to be like some people are shitty mm. and you have to be honest about that
0: mm. um oh there was something else i forgot what it was uh, i do love the bit the episode after um the murder the, the serial rapist guy as well mm. the anxiety she goes through that's mm-hmm. like because cause it, it would be easy for the show to just be like they just like, oh, we've got to deal with this, you know, I understand that you did it to save me. But realistically, someone you know, or someone you barely know actually, yeah. you know, that you are a forming connection with, but you haven't known them for that long at mm. all, has just very easily murdered somebody. Mm-hmm. Like very he Like that just does just- it. And I love that and moment l- too. It wasn't
1: like and seem to kill him so precisely and easily. Yeah, like oh, he knew where to stab a guy in the neck. That's terrifying.
0: Maybe we we'll just talk about that now as well. That yeah, that whole moment to me is so mm. well done. With, yeah, you know what's going to happen. Like you anticipate that he's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. That um, James is going to kill the guy, but the the way it happens, in, it just happens so quickly out of, out of nowhere. And the shot is chosen from Alyssa's point of view. And she's looking up at him and he's looking down at her. And then just to see the head, it just comes in and out. Yeah. And then the, instantly there's the wound there and it's bleeding. Yeah. And it's so shocking and and brutal. Mm. And then the shots that follow, I love as well, with Alyssa covered in blood and James just standing there and his dorky jumper with his knife <laughs> and there's body bleeding out on the ground and that twofer of the two of them for me that was was like i just want to. there's something about this illustration this image that i want to draw it's just captures a moment in time so well mm-hmm. and the drama of it and the and i think the this lo- is when
1: lo- the, everything changes there's
0: a yeah. and there's a lot that's that's exactly it is exactly where the story and takes off and there's a, mm-hmm. a, a line in there as well um oh yeah are you a virgin Yes, me too. Yeah, no shit. And that's like the last (laughs) lines of the episode. Like that's the thing they talk about uh, as that's happening. Um, But yeah, then the next episode when she's, her reaction to James is is so well realized that like.
1: And it is a reaction I think that I don't really remember seeing before. That's it. Exactly. Because we as the audience understand that James did it to protect her and stuff. Yep. And I think because we understand that narratively that often the complexity of the actual emotion that someone would be going through is not explored. Yeah. Because and it is, I think it would be possible to bog down a story with that, but they don't do it because, once again, like narration really helps. Yep. Really being able to dive into that
0: that is fantastic. And it's also because, I mean, it is a character-driven show. Mm. I think sometimes they you get past those things of reacting to violence because there's just so much violence. If we just kept reacting to it, it's gonna be we're yeah. gonna be here forever. We can't just keep doing yeah. that over and over and over and again. Whereas this this yeah. is the one Everyone violent would act actually in the entire... lose
1: their minds yeah. in a story if you actually made them really dive into the trauma they've experienced. Yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly. And realistically in this show, that's the one violent act. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk about violent acts. There's a lot of fantasizing about mm-hmm. violent acts. But the one thing that actually does, ha- it's just that moment. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, everything changes and our characters have to react to that. Yep. Or in James's case, like, he reacts to it and also is trying to feel like trying to be strong and normal, which is only making it weirder, <laughs> which is really interesting he's too. Like, he's,
1: like, switched position from being the predator and then we have this slight moment where he's, like, this awkward guy who's, like, maybe I am just, like, hanging out with a chick to then, like, trying to be, like, this alpha male protector. He's yep. like, oh, well, this is my role now. Yeah. And just realise... He's just trying to find his place and nothing is fitting and it's affecting... The untruth of it is affecting his relationship absolutely.
0: Um, The narration was the thing I was thinking of that I couldn't think of before that you'd mentioned. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. It's just a good amount, too. We've... I've seen shows like Jessica Jones where I look at it and go, why is this even here? It's mm-hmm. only here because you're underwater a noir story, thing, yeah. so you think you need to. Mm-hmm. And there are other times when narration is a cheat, where there's too much of it. And it's it gets in the way of just letting the story tell it. But in this instance, they're, they never overstay their welcome. Whenever they're there, they're just too illustrate a moment a little bit clearer or help us get there. Mm-hmm. And what I loved is right to... And I've seen this happen before, but I always like it when it's done well. In the very, I think, second to last episode when they're about to meet um, Leslie mm-hmm. and and Alyssa Al- says internally... I'm scared, and then she says out loud, I'm I'm scared. scared. And so you feel this moment of like, wow, they've got to a real point of connection where she Mm -hmm. can be truly honest and open with James. Yeah. And that works beautifully.
1: Well, the thing is, like, narration fits so many of the themes of the show. Mm -hmm. We have characters who are so disconnected from the people around them that uh, they have no one else to talk to. Of course, the, the way they go through life is just through, like, talking to themselves, yeah. that inner monologue all the time, that inner dialogue. That's how they live. They are insular beings. And then as the show progresses, we do see the, the intermingling of their internal voices, them being able to express it. It's, it's, it. It fits. Narration totally fits the story that they're telling. It has a purpose, a narrative purpose.
0: The disconnection is exactly where I want to go to yeah. next. Just that idea, these two kids who are disconnected, who are both abandoned, mm-hmm. but dealing with their abandonment. They're abandoned in different ways. One's dad leaves, one's mother commits suicide and is witnessing that. Mm-hmm. They think about those parents in different ways, but they both feel responsible in their own ways mm-hmm. as well. Whereas I don't think that James necessarily... Um, he doesn't idolise his mother. In fact, he sort of has a hard time being around things that remind him of her. Mm -hmm. He has disconnected by turning off, whereas she has done the opposite thing and has idolised her dad and turned him into this person that's not there. And I think she says it at one stage as well, Um, or, yeah, I think she says it, something about how she's – the thing about people who aren't there is that or – idolizing people as, who aren't there as they aren't there. So, you never get to really see them. You just fantasize about mm-hmm. their best traits. Yeah, And so, there's a bit early on in like episode one where she talks about that woman's lived. And I love that moment where she makes up this history for this person. Mm-hmm. And she looks at everyone around her as she knows she's bored shitless of there. So, she projects these better lives onto other people to convince herself that she's meant to be somewhere else. That there's something better for her. And that's what she's done to her dad as well.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. Like the amount of tidbits we get like you know, when they first go on their road trip and she's like, oh, my dad says this and my dad yeah. does this and all of these little things. And she really never speaks about her mother. It's like she doesn't even know her mom at all, but she knows so much about her dad. When mm. wh- What I really think that is, is that she might have five little tidbits, yep. but she she's has f- turned them into treasures yep. that are so important to his character. Absolutely. Whether they are or not, yeah. Um,
0: And so then, yeah. And then the, the whole story is obviously just them having been disconnected, abandoned their own ways, mm. and then trying to find that connection again. Uh, the line I also like of Alyssa's in the last episode is: "You shouldn't just make people if you're going to abandon them because you th- they think they've done something wrong in their whole." Sorry, I said that really poorly. <laughs> you shouldn't just make people if you're going to abandon them because they think they've done something wrong their whole lives. Yeah. So the idea, that, yeah, that's but that's. Both of them in that exact mm-hmm. situation. And it's interesting to say that as well about someone committing suicide. Like they they really are putting obviously James' mother was in a very, very dark and troubled place. Yeah, of course. But mm-hmm. that in making that choice, I don't know how much you want to blame you want to put on for that, but she that he has been abandoned. And that is going yeah. to affect him.
1: Yeah. And it whether you put blame or not, that the thing the the important thing in the lives of these characters is the effect it has had. Yeah. And the effect that Alyssa's dad leaving and the effect of James's mum committing suicide mm-hmm. is that they feel abandoned. Is that they feel like there is something wrong with them, and yes. that's that's the point. Yeah, I just I just want to talk about one moment that I love, and mm-hmm. I, I just remember. I want to say it before I please do forget is that in the beginning of their journey together, when they're in the hotel room and. Alyssa's just like, oh, can you put some porno on or whatever? Yeah. And he puts the porno on for a bit of noise. And then she goes to the bathroom and cries. Mm-hmm. That, like, I, that was such a, be- I love that moment. Just, there was something that I really recognized in it is it just wanting to escape so badly. And then when you do, the actual feeling like, The hugeness, the vastness and the loneliness of the world Mm -hmm. and being stuck with someone that you thought just having someone was enough. Yeah. But then actually like you still feel alone, just feeling the weight of that. And then so we have Alyssa's emotional response to finally being out there. And then we have James who's finally in a situation. It's like, all my dreams are about to come true. I can kill this girl. Mm -hmm. And he walks to the door and he just hears her crying and he can't do it. And you go, oh. Yeah, buddy, you're not a psychopath
0: at all. I love all his little rationalizations for why he yeah. can't do it in certain moments. Like, yeah. I couldn't have killed her there; the car would have linked her to the crime, whatever yeah. it was. And yeah. it's like there's there's a certain truth to that, but he keeps doing these little mm-hmm. like, oh, not now, not now, not now. Yeah, it's funny the way he delays himself. What the, the follow up to that moment I like as well though is she then goes, "I'm going to go to the vending machine, right?" And she mm. goes to the phone and she rings up home, and Tony answers. Yeah, it's Tony, Tony, t- yeah, Tony, t- t- yeah, and. The thing is, if her mum had answered, there's every chance the story ends there, right? There's every chance she's mm. feeling so disconnected and alone. If she just has a nice conversation with her mum, she might like, oh, "I'm ready to go home now," and turns yeah. around, right? Mm-hmm. But she gets Tony, and Tony's like, the fucking worst. Yeah, she's like, "No, I can't go back, mm-hmm. even if I am feeling alone right now and mm-hmm. feeling the enormity of this He's decision, like, yeah,
1: the reminder of why she left." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That she that's not her home.
0: Yeah. But that's a really good choice storytelling wise to like take them to a place, make them consider the the enormity mm-hmm. of this, and then remind them, no, that's why I left.
1: Yeah, you can't, you can't go back.
0: Beautiful storytelling. Yes. Love it. Lovely. Another little great detail about their disconnection that I love. They both have neither of them have phones as mm-hmm. well. I just love that they they. There's, they are literally disconnected, mm-hmm. and character-wise, it's great too. Because if they had mobile phones, there's a certain complexity that comes with that in storytelling. Yeah, of you can be contacted all the time, and to make it just a character choice that makes yeah. total sense to both I, of them. Yeah, love I it. think
1: that's the great thing is that it does make sense. It's because yeah. of course James doesn't have a phone, doesn't have any friends, and he doesn't like his dad. And he hates phones. And he hates phones. And Alyssa, we see that wonderful moment when she smashes her because you're like you're all dickheads. Why the fuck you're yeah, you're idiots? I'm above it. I'm above this technology and she smashes
0: and it. She, and it's just another example of her destroying a connection, like yes. actively going out of her way to mm-hmm. like... Her
1: impulse, her yeah. lack of impulse control is is certainly an element as to why she is unable to connect with people because yeah. she purely is in reaction all the time and like it's just like a bull in a china shop.
0: I, it's, I, but it's, it's all... Yeah, exactly. It's impulsive but it's, also, it's all self... Destruction.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Self sabotage. Yeah, that's the thing. I think like if you've been left before, then you or you just start to push because mm. you're like, well, I don't want that feeling anymore. So push, push, because I just don't want to be in a vulnerable position.
0: So the last bit is do you the the bit I don't know if we've talked about it enough yet is just the coming together of these two. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you feel that? You believe that that these mm. two find each other? I think the the moment for me that always sells is the bit with the dog. Yeah. And like that is the, that you realize how far he's come Mm -hmm. and then what they, how they help each other and how they.
1: Yeah. I think for me, it really hits when they're just walking towards Leslie's house and they haven't met him yet. And Alyssa is like, I'm scared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And James, you know, he's just like, he's trying to. You know, she's like, oh, you know, why didn't he tell me that he moved and stuff? And she's like, you know, maybe he had a good reason. Like, he's generally just trying to comfort her and he gives her like a little push on the back and stuff. And it's so sweet. And she follows him. She's she like, she really does trust him. And just mm-hmm. like, like th- that moment was just like, that is so fucking sweet and lovely. And it's like, nur- it's, he's so nurturing and she's so vulnerable, which she never is, which I love. Yeah.
0: Do you buy that it takes... I... I- no, I'm not even going to say that. I really like the work they do with Leslie as well because she's obviously built up in her mind how great her dad is. Mm. She's able to look past all these flaws mm-hmm. for the longest time and then it's that moment where she sees the other his other kid yeah. that he's abandoned as well mm-hmm. is where it all starts to go wrong for her and that she's able to have a moment of self-realization there. Uh, I, I, so I, well I
1: think, yeah, I think it it had to be a moment like th- that. Otherwise it would feel kind of contrived and forced to like for plot, you know, yes. like, but for someone, I think for a person or a character like Alyssa is that, you know, you reason that your dad left you because there is something wrong with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And therefore you, you can, idolize. there, there is something shiny and perfect in the world. It's your dad. And that's something to focus on, even though you're terrible, but to see then this shiny, wonderful person could do that to another person. Mm. Makes you go, oh my God, it's not me, it's you. Mm-hmm. You're the one that has done this. And then it all just like falls away. I think it's a perfect moment. Yeah, I think it works really I well. I think it's so good. Do
0: you have any other thoughts on Leslie as a character? Does He he works for you? There's
1: He really does. Yeah, yeah I... I buy it, I love the moments with him and James and James being able to see through him. Yeah, but obviously I like that too. But obviously knowing that like it's not really his business to kind of shit on that, you know? And he he wants Alyssa to be happy even though he knows that what's going on isn't really real. Yeah. Um and I believe Alyssa's reaction to him, I believe their relationship and the way he is with, you know, just the people in the pub and like trying mm-hmm. to recreate that moment where like She's standing on his feet because, like, this is my little girl and this is how I relate to her. And let's forget about all the damage I've caused because you're, you know, you're my blood or whatever. And I'm going to look after you. And it's all just bullshit. You know, I totally buy it. I love it.
0: It is is very fulfilling when she does have the confrontation with him in the back at the trailer or whatever. But yeah, the bit I like about James's approach to the thing is he tries to be practical as well. When he's like, you know, I don't think she's thinking clearly about the situation, it's like, so, he, dad's drug dealer and she's like, whatever, so what? Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, should we really be here As since yeah. we're criminals on the run? Yeah. And like trying to approach it with some yeah, sort and he's of rationale. like, you know, rationale. we shouldn't be in one place for too long and yeah, very smart. But yeah, she's not buying any of it. And she's, she's very good at, uh, at twisting that, to make manipulating that mm. to make it work in her favour as well. Um, the only other parental character that's worth talking about is James's dad. Which, oh, yeah, it's a difficult one to talk about because there's not much to him. He's so passive and just, he, I don't know, he, he sort of just ended up being, well, he wasn't enough for James. He wasn't necessarily purposely detrimental or as awful as, say, Tony was mm. or even Alyssa's mum or especially Alyssa's dad, Leslie. Mm. But he just... You know, he kind of just goes along with he's things similar, man, to, similar to what James does, really. Yeah. He, like, he buys him a knife because he asked me to. Didn't yeah. think about well, that was an issue.
1: He's a man completely out of his depth. Yeah. He has no idea. And, he, like, clearly we see in a flashback that he has never had any idea. Like, when no. his wife is clearly depressed and he's like, you can just feed the ducks. Yeah, you can go out and feed the ducks. Don't worry about it. You'll be mm. fine. Um, Just does not have the depth that clearly his wife and his son have. Mm-hmm. And so then how can you relate to someone that you don't even have the ability to begin to understand? He's just out of his depth and he doesn't know what to do and he's yeah. just lost and I feel very sad for him.
0: Yeah. The other storyline that's going on behind this and it's introduced in episode four is the cops with Eunice and Terry. Mm-hmm. And so these two detectives who have obviously, well it's in, it's, yeah, it's introduced early on, they have a little bit of a, romantic history, I guess. <laughs> yep. Um, that One sort night of- tryst. Uh, yes. Mm. Uh, how, you tell me about this storyline. <laughs> Demas, what do you think?
1: I, it was such a little – because it came in – it was episode four, yeah? Episode four. It was such a nice little surprise. Like, oh, two new characters. And immediately I was interested because of that, like just that tiny little story detail of like the, something happened the other night. Ooh, yeah. what What's going on between you guys? And it was a great sense of like source of humour within yeah. the show. I loved even like we only get these tiny tidbits, but the evolution of the relationship, Eunice is clearly like completely enamored by Terry. Mm-hmm. Um and Terry's very, you know, kind of elusive elusive, is that the right word? Yeah, sure. Yeah, elusive and just kind of like, you know, whatever, like get over it. Oh, let's be professional. And then how Eunice kind of in just doing her job, in being her, kind of sees the truth of Terry and is like, oh, actually, you're not someone that I have anything in common with Mm -hmm. or, you know, can even, like, respect your worldview because it's so different to mine. I'm trying
0: to think if Terry does – Terry's not necessarily an outright bad person. No, no, she
1: just has a very different opinion about how to pursue a criminal or a suspect. Well, I'm
0: just trying to think, does does she do anything that's really helpful to the case in any stage? I'm trying to think what Terry does – I think it's Eunice. Is the whole way ends up being yep. the one that's driving that case in mm-hmm. any sense? She's the one that gets the tape out of the uh, the mother of the yep. rapist guy. She's the one who she finds
1: the address. She finds and- the address and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff.
0: It's all her work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That story. There's nothing wrong with that storyline for me. I just kind of wish thematically it felt like it connected more to what was going on. I feel like that storyline is. There's nothing. It's fine. It's even entertaining. Mm. It just. I Like, we've got all these themes of abandonment and disconnection and those sorts of things. And I could find a tenuous link about how Eunice wants a connection, but Terry doesn't. And then by the time Terry kind of does want at least a temporary connection, Eunice has abandoned her. Mm-hmm. But I, mm, that's the, that the bit. It just doesn't ever really turn to anything as good as everything else that's going around it, I guess. Right. It's this. Okay. So, when I take them off my half star... It's just because that's the element that is obviously a little bit weaker than everything else. Again, it's not bad. Mm. I don't have any issues with it. Yeah. It just sort of like, because it does take up a reasonable amount of screen time in the yeah. second half of the series, it just obviously is nowhere near what everything else is doing in this show. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I, just, I, I don't agree. I think when you say those tenuous connections mm. thematically, they, they really did work for me. Um, and I think the comedy, I really enjoyed. I was very invested in the character of Eunice.
0: Like mm-hmm. I was... It's very well performed. You rem- you recognize that actress, of yes? Of course. It took me a while. <laughs> it took me... It was, like the first time watching it, I was like, why do I know? It's Yara. It's yeah. freaking Yara. I knew
1: like 0. 0.5 a second. I was like, <laughs> oh, cool. She plays lesbians now. That's what she does. <laughs> um, you yeah, know, I, I was very invested. And I think for me, it was important it was it felt like a bit of a relief to have that because so many of the if not all of the adult characters are awful. Yeah, it's true. To have to know that there is one glimmer of hope in the world out there mm-hmm. that might actually be able to reach these kids that maybe there is a you know a bit of hope was good and then obviously when we get to our end to lose that, you're like, oh... Even though you know it's going to be bad ending, just like, you know, it's like that little tease that makes me, like, adds to the tension for me. You know, it really did work for me a lot.
0: I guess maybe the thing that was missing was if I just knew a little bit more about her history, if there was something to suggest to me that... Like, obviously, she is the the source of light in Mm. the adults, but even just a little hint at what might have made her that as opposed to every other adult in the show. Just something to enrich her so I can go... Oh mm. right, you make sense to me now beyond just being that one source actually just being a fully I I I just need a sense of history and I get you. that yeah. that makes sense. that wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. she just is she just is the the better of the mm-hmm. adults. Yeah. The better of the cops um without really understanding why she's the better of the cops. Yeah no,
1: I under- yeah, I totally understand what you're but saying. But it's it, not it a di- massive deal. It didn't attract. Am- I, I, I it was just such an Nice bit of flavor sure. to the story. I was already l- loving, you know what I mean. And I, you know, it was. I really enjoyed it. I really, and I loved the lesbian drama. It was just like, oh, this is pitch perfect. <laughs> cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, just trying to think of other things to talk about before we move on to final thoughts. I just did want to mention up mention um, Frodo and mm. how pure, pure Frodo. <laughs> like he was, he never come along for the journey. I'm sorry, buddy. You, yeah. You you can't you can't be in this story. But it was it was an enjoyable time just watching you have your little rebellion. I'll in that be honest. I mean, station. I
1: think Frodo was probably my least favorite part of th- oh, the. Oh really? Series. There <laughs> yeah, you go. Yeah, I just didn't believe that he would have part- participated in any of that at all. I was like, that's that's. It was the only time. Like, obviously, this show is you know quite heightened and you know it's, it's a little bit absurd and over the top. But yeah, I don't know. His character just it didn't. I'm not sure if it worked for me. Okay. Mm. But I'm, I'm glad you connected with him.
0: No, I like it. It was just reminding me of like all the kids who gang up on Mitch, Miss Trunchbull and like Matilda or something like that. Yeah, it's like, you know, right. a couple of people are doing it, so I'm emboldened to do it too. And like, oh my God, I can rebel too. Knocks the keychains off and yeah. like turns the things over and oh, I don't know. I just yeah. it very cute and adorable.
1: I think, yeah, maybe it was a bit too cutesy for me. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I was like, you're willing to like lock that woman up after you like they've held her up with a gun and then... You're like, yeah, rebellion, and then you're sent to that to knock rings over. You're like, oh, that's a bit more serious than
0: that, but okay, sure. Um, is there anything else? There's, I've got one final question, but I want to make sure. I want to leave it before we move into final thoughts.
1: I mean, it's just about the ending. That was it. That was yeah. it. What <laughs> did you think of the
0: ending? It was the last question. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I c- so the ending bang, just to, to remind everyone, is James. He's running. Running away.
1: Screen goes black.
0: He's going to leave.
1: He's going to leave Alyssa.
0: Alyssa. Yeah. We hear a gunshot. <laughs> screen goes black. You love it. I love it. Why do you love it?
1: So, I love the performance by the actress who plays Alyssa. I'm sorry. I don't have her name on me. Um, but her just like screaming really for him. mm mm-hmm is heartbreaking seeing him run. He's so little and he's just running away and he's got that stupid gun Hmm. and you know, he's got nowhere to go, of course. And the first shot and it goes near his leg and you're like, Oh my God, they're going to shoot him in the leg. And then the fact that it like shot black, you know, his, his life is over whether or not, I don't need to know. I mean, I, in my head he died, but I don't mm-hmm. need to know that because either way his life is ending in one way or another and it's heartbreaking and it's sad and the last moment where he where he just says, you know, I think I'm understanding what people mean to each other. It's so beautiful. It's such like a beautifully poignant way to end the show. It really affected me. Mm-hmm. Like I was very emotional after it. I was like, that was a fucking great story. Yeah. And it was so melancholic and, yeah, it just kind of took my breath away. But what are your thoughts on the ending? The actress
0: is named Jessica Barden, by the way. Jessica Barden. Yep. Well done. Um, The, you yeah, know, I love it as well. I love that it's ambiguous. I mm-hmm. love that it's not clear what happens, but you get a sense of what it's trying mm. to say, right? And so yeah. you, well, yeah, we don't know if he died. We don't know if he was captured, We don't know if he got away. It doesn't really matter whatever happened now isn't good and mm. um it just feels whatever the way you want to interpret it it mm-hmm. feels like a complete story yeah he's no longer thinks he's the psychopath he found connection and he's yeah gone on that beautiful journey yeah. but now it's over yeah that the cost of doing that was you know essentially the rest of his life <laughs> yeah. one way or another in some sense, and possibly, unfortunately, the connection to that one person he built a connection with too because even if he gets away, it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to, you know, he's deliberately chosen Mm -hmm. to disconnect again. He's deliberately chosen to do it as a, to be that protector, that role he thinks he's meant to be doing. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's it's sad and melancholy and beautiful and really effective, really good. And I love that the show is brave enough to do that. Yes. It's cool stuff. All right, final thoughts?
1: Yay. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note.
0: All right, a couple of side notes. The other... So we talked about uh, Yara. Just so you know, I don't have any side notes. Oh, that's me. fine. Cool. Yeah. We'll do this quickly then. I've only got two. The detective that um, that James talks to when he's going to sort of... Mm-hmm. He's talking about seeing his mum's murder. Mum's suicide, sorry. Uh, is an actor, Matt King, who... Have you ever watched Peep Show?
1: I've seen a few episodes.
0: Uh, He plays the character Superhands in that. He's a series regular. And it's so odd seeing him in any other role except for Superhands, especially playing someone with any sort of authority like a police officer, even a dumb, like a... I've
1: seen him in something Yeah, there was something recently I saw him
0: into. Actually, it was in Paddington. I was watching Paddington the other day with my... Have you seen Paddington? I should have done this in Off Topic, Hot Topic.
1: No, I haven't seen it.
0: Freaking hell, it's so good. Go watch Paddington. If okay. you ever just need a little bit of Everyone joy in your life... Everyone keeps
1: telling me to watch Paddington.
0: Just need a little bit of happiness, just a okay. little bit of sunshine. Paddington's on Netflix. Go and watch Paddington okay, 1. We'll okay, Paddington 2 is out now too. Uh, the only other note I had... Oh, yeah. I think I've just missed this and it's not important at all. Mm. How did... You know how Alyssa's got her dad's address, right? It's mm. on the post-it note yeah. and she's got it keeping in her card. Where did that come from? Do we have any sense of where the address came from? Was just that's been his address for a long time and she's found... It's never clear, is it? What do you mean? So she's got her dad's address. Yeah. Um, but we it, 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 it's not clear where she got that from. Is it?
1: What do you mean? At what least, do you mean where she got it from? Well it's on the card.
0: what so her mum gave it to her? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. That's I just wasn't Sorry, sure. Sorry, I was super confused by the question. I no, was like, it was just the thing was I wasn't yeah. quite sure why she would. The mum would do that. That seems yeah. a little more than the a little mum extra? would extra. Yeah, than yeah, the mum yeah. would be willing to do. I
1: had that. I was like, that's a that's a little extra, but I was willing to buy. I was like, yeah, sure.
0: Oh, it doesn't it doesn't yeah. bother me at all. Um, that that's the case. It's it, better yeah. than
1: saying one, two, three made up drive. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> on the card, a little less believable when you give it to your daughter.
0: Yeah, I'm just. What is she trying to say? Is she encouraging her to leave when she does it? Does she encourage her to go find her real dad. Like, what's the what's the because it's it's a post-it I think, note. I
1: think it's just
0: it's not on the envelope, something like that. It's just on yeah. a post-it note. Like what is what is she trying to offer Alyssa when she gives her the address? Just, yeah, I
1: don't know.
0: That was the maybe, that was,
1: maybe maybe that's yeah maybe it is just giving her another option. That's what I was because she's kind of sensed the weird like the grossness of Tony and that that's probably not going to end well. And maybe it is. Yeah, yeah, that's another. That's what to I it. wondered
0: because mm, I see, yeah, okay. So we're saying the, yeah, yeah. the mum doesn't. Have any sense of agency really? Mm. The only one time she shows anything that's nothing mm. is when Tony asks who was on the phone. She says it was my mom, mm-hmm. it was Alyssa, really, and she pretends it was somebody else. Just basically, I mean, by in doing that, if she'd said, Oh, it was Alyssa, Tony would have probably wanted to call the cops yeah. again to notify them. So she's chosen to just let her do her thing. Mm-hmm. So, there's an enabling sense there. I guess that was why she gave her the address. It was her little subtle way of enabling her to push her towards her dad. again. Yeah, go out. Just, just for,
1: leave. Just, well, not, not in a ne- I don't think it would have been in a negative sense of like, I want you to leave. It would be more... You sh- it'd be good maybe for you I'm if projecting, you did. But yeah, maybe it's best that you go. No, I think that's fair. Yeah.
0: And it can happen in one of two ways. Either get out of here, which is a fair choice, mm-hmm. or... um to go and meet your dad and find out just how bad he really is. Yeah. Because you've idolised him for a long time and I've...
1: You wear his jacket every goddamn day. Yeah. yeah.
0: Maybe it's time for... You're old enough now Maybe to find I made out.
1: mistakes sending you those cards. Anyway,
0: yeah. and I was wondering whether it was... Maybe I might, even though I've watched it twice, it might have been a detail I missed is where that okay. came from, but I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Thought added a layer of complexity there. That was my only one. The uh, only notes. Least favourite and favourite episodes. What's your least favourite episode, Damask?
1: Well, I don't really have... An episode that I dislike. Agreed. And so, I I literally just wrote... If I could say none, it would be none. Mm-hmm. But if I had to choose one, episode six, simply for the Frodo scene, because I if I, I don't really buy it. But, sure. that's, but that's it. What about you?
0: Mine is episode five. Again, I don't dislike any episodes. But I thought it was interesting that one of the things we didn't really talk about is there's that period where they, the two of them split up, basically. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about the way that's... So I do think it's important, right? There's a lot of realizations going on here mm-hmm. in terms of... Especially for Alyssa, I think realizes yeah. that she needs James, and that what he was doing, as you said in your um, your wrap up and your story time thing, my wrap, your wrap, your recap. Mm-hmm. The but even it just feels like it's a little bit of a and like again, you need these breaths sometimes, mm. but it just kill, kills momentum a little bit. I wonder if this was a film, I don't think that would happen, right? If you cut twenty to thirty minutes, I think you'd make these realizations happen. Differently while they're still in at least in relative proximity to each other. Mm-hmm. And to have to be the solution to finding each other is they both have to go back to the diner. As though that's... It's a very interesting choice for them to both go back to the burger place again.
1: But where else would you go? If you're looking at that person, that's your only option. I don't know.
0: I just feel... I just... the Yeah. It it just felt like a little bit like we didn't move. Right? Mm-hmm. So, we go back to that place again. Yeah. I get why you choose the, this one. The, yeah. Though the choice I did like when Mm. they do meet up the second time, is they went from being opposite sides of the table to being next to each other at the table. And that's a very just subtle little cue or little blocking move to tell about they've actually formed more of a connection Mm -hmm. by being apart for a moment. And what
1: I also loved in that moment was then she's like...
0: Not the weird hand. Not the weird hand. (laughs) Which is perfect
1: because it's a perfect (laughs) example of the tone of this show. So much heart but not enough to make you sick. It's yeah. just like, no, no, let's take it back a little bit and totally. have a good laugh. But that yeah. awkward
0: bit where he's like, the right hand's coming yes. across. Yes, he, because he's so image.
1: awkward and it's so him. Yeah, And
0: there's also a lot of the, I think it's a fairly cop-heavy episode as well. As I said, that was sort of like mm-hmm. the weakest part for me. Yeah. But like, I, I still wouldn't write that episode less than a four. Like yeah, out of five. No, totally. Like it's still a great episode. Yeah. Uh, what about your favourite episode?
1: Um, Once again, it's really hard to pick. Like mm-hmm. I read through, Listen up. The synopses,
0: synopsis, Synops- synopsi.
1: synopsis, synopsis, <laughs> synopsis of every episode, like over and over again, because I was just like, which one do I, which one can I pick? And I did the same for Lee's favorite as well. I'm like, what on earth am I going to mm. pick for this category? Um, I eventually went with episode four. This is the one where, like, so episode three they kill the guy. Yeah. Episode four, things have really changed. They're cleaning. They have to clean the house. Mm-hmm we as an audience understand that things have escalated. Mm-hmm. Things are about to change. Um that's the episode where we meet the cops and I love them and I was so happy to meet these characters. I enjoyed their interaction. Um James is feeling closer to Alyssa. It's mm-hmm. feeling like a projector. And she's growing distant. So the relationship has like evolved into something very different and kind of new and exciting to watch as a viewer. Um what else Like uh Yeah, like she f- Alyssa finally fears him in a way that she probably should have for quite some time now um, and me as an audience member has grown fonder of him mm-hmm. because I see him as someone you know who who helped her who did this wonderful thing awful but wonderful thing and there's that great sense of like push and pull between like as an audience member I want this but the characters are going through this and yeah just like it neck level neck episode, level neck I like level. that <laughs> Uh, So beautifully
0: articulated. (laughs) (laughs) Neck level. Neck minute.
1: Mm. Uh, And you, favourite.
0: My favourite is episode three and it's kind of for the same reasons. It's like the other side of that same beat. It was hard for me
1: to pick between the two. And ultimately I went with the four because I love the cops. So I can see why you wouldn't. Right. So
0: I'm on the opposite side where the cops aren't in it so much. But what you do have is... Like you said, it's where the story changes, kicks into next neck, neck level. Yeah, and that's you, probably appropriation. I'm sorry if it is. <laughs> the there's obviously the ending is the big part of that, right? In mm. terms of it's shocking, the story changes forever. I've already talked about I love the dialogue in those that moment at the end. I love the imagery. Everything about where you end up there is just so powerful. And to me, I, like watching the second time, I had remembered watching and going the first time and going, this is the. This, this like, it really episode? grabs you, right, yeah, this moment here. Yeah. But it's also got that the bit with, like, he cooks dinner and she thanks him for it. Mm. And the funny little bit where she just, like, let's do the dishes and throws them in the pool. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, then the bit where they're dancing, which I love that sequence. It's
1: certainly an episode where are like, wow, these are kids.
0: Yeah. And it's just where the, the show's dance introduction and we've gotten to... Yeah, it's just a great place. It's mm-hmm. such a it's but I'm the same. I could have been 4. I could have even made it episode 8. There's a few different places this could have gone, but yep. I'm going to go with 3 for the sake of the podcast. Do we want more? I don't think I do. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure.
1: Like, I, I'm like I'm just going to say, no, I don't want You more. don't want
0: any more? You're no. happy just to leave it as I, it is? I think
1: it's so wonderful that I just want it to be it.
0: This is the risk, right? It's mm. like, if they announce it's going to be a season two, I'm going to watch it because I enjoyed season one so much and I've got a, a certain amount of trust that they're going to do a good job. Mm. But, but, you do a season two and the risk is that you to keep expanding on the story, you're going to ruin it. And the thing is as well, while this is obviously an adaptation and things have changed, I Reading up today, it sounds like the person that's killed is very different um, in the comic books. Right, okay. There's like a satanic element to it and uh, stuff like that. It's a little bit different. Um, but I've adapted it really well to the screen. But it's still, it was off a story that was a complete story. Right. And there's no more. They have nothing else to adapt off anymore. Anything from here on out is them making it up. And that does not always work. No. <laughs> Game of Thrones is a good example of this. When they were working off a solid foundation of George R. R. Martin's, not just the story, but the, all the written material, right? Mm-hmm. They did a really good job, Off and Weiss, of adapting that. Yeah. And since they've George had George to- RR
1: Martin's dialogue is fucking amazing. Right? Yeah.
0: And so, ever since they've had to, while they might have the general- blueprint of what his story is meant to be once they've had to start doing their own dialogue and material and scenarios and it all the things that go around different. it the, there is an obvious change mm-hmm. and so i worry that um that a second season would have to have a lot i don't know where it's going to go what's going to say and it could be really bad and that worries me yeah so i'm going to say no i don't want it but if it happens i'll watch it fair enough do can, if we do get another season, do you have any predictions, hopes, concerns about what might happen?
1: My concern is just that that's that going to be a bad. Season two, yeah.
0: My prediction would be obviously mm. James wouldn't die because mm. that. How would you make another season? The best guess at how they would do that moment though is that because Leslie's passed out in the trailer, right? Mm-hmm. Is that he would because he just passed out from seeing blood? I think basically, like he there is a loss of blood, but I don't think that's the bit that makes him. It's like he takes it out, the oh, pain right. and the sight of the blood. I assume it was blood. like
1: blood pressure or something, but I don't know. I,
0: I'm not sure either, but he passes out. I don't know out. how the body works. The, the gonna... way it did it, it kind of like, it was, yeah, exactly. But it wasn't like there was a whole lot of blood straight away. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was I didn't think he was going out. to die. No, exactly. no, 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 I didn't get that sense. My best guess with Leslie being Leslie would wake up and do something, not necessarily deliberately, but something that's distracting that allows James to get away. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. Now I don't know if Alyssa gets away then as well, or she's dragged away by the cops, and then it's just about sort of the stories of them trying to find each other again and continue their, being on you know being on the road together, running mm. away from the cops. That's the that's the best I could imagine it would be. I don't know how else this would play out at all.
1: Yeah, I've got. I really don't know. It's like, pretty crazy. I, I kind ju- of don't want to start writing that. story in my head because I I loved where it finished and I don't want to continue that's just
0: me trying to like how would you do it and I don't think that's how they should do it it's just how I think they would it is pretty crazy that James just completely whacks Alyssa over the head though (laughs) I
1: I think it's kind of perfect though because you know Alyssa that's what you'd have to do do. yeah absolutely
0: Um, anything else that's it that's all I got I just happy.
1: loved it and thank you for recommending oh, it because it was wonderful. Glad you enjoyed it. Excellent.
0: Yeah. And thank you very much, listeners, for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. You can email us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com. Tweet us at HuntingSCast. You can find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at b bgordas, B-G-O-R-D-E-S where this week I have posted my March one second every day video. So, Ooh. I've been doing, uh, you can find this app one second every day. It cost a couple of bucks, but basically, yeah, record a second a day. Put as it soon as I realized I had Montage. to pay
1: for it, I was like, I am not buying that app. Uh,
0: yeah, a lot of people are like that. <laughs> but it's really been really fun. So, I've done three months now. So, I'm up to like 120 seconds worth of um, footage or something like that. So I'll be fun with that stuff. I'll make like a ten minute video at the end of it. But yeah, I'm putting it up cool. in chunks of a month and on my March one went up. So you can go check that out. What about you, Damask? Where can I find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at maskymoo, M A S K Y M Double O. Haven't done a lot of tweeting this week because I've just been very hungover. <laughs> um and on Insta- You tweet
0: less when you're hungover. That's a lot of people tweeting more,
1: I think. <laughs> I just can't be bothered. Um on Instagram I've done Plenty of stories, mostly of me going out and making a fool of myself. So there you go. Check that out, everybody.
0: <laughs> uh, thank you to Sean Kirkpatrick, AKA at Shawnee Boy Draws, for his logo and design work. Thank you, Jordan Calavis, for our theme song. And Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club, who I think looks a little bit like James, but I didn't want to say that uh too much he does have a killer's eyes for our bumpers uh you can find links to their work in our show notes if you enjoy what we're doing here we'd really really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others you think might also enjoy listening we also appreciate your positive reviews on itunes google play stitcher whatever podcast platform you prefer we're still trying to get up on spotify and we are as of now posting episodes on youtube as well so any new episodes are also after a little little bit of a I had a little bit of a problem with YouTube, but there's a thing right. with Podbean that allows us to do it automatically.
1: Oh, and, there is! And Fabulous. YouTube
0: was not happy with us uh, with the first one. Gave me a bit of a strike. I had to
1: <gasps> what did you do? Uh,
0: it was, I think, just the like the show notes were just a little like the way they formatted weren't right, and they looked at it and went, "Oh, that's gobbledygook. You're trying to oh. uh, like you're doing something weird here." <laughs> right. Gave me a content strike. I ended up having a got it looked at. and It's fine now. I'm sure you had it. So last week's had strong words
1: up, for them, did you?
0: Uh, no.
1: Oh, no, you didn't find it.
0: Explain yourself. (laughs) Um, And this week's episode and any future episodes will now be on YouTube, including our video episode, episode 50, about Firefly. If you haven't seen that yet, go check that out. On YouTube, just search for Hunting Seasons Podcast. Next week, we'll be back to discuss The Wire season five, the final season of (gasps) The Wire. I'm seven episodes in.
1: I haven't started it.
0: And well, you've been
1: cheating. We're meant to do it in a week broad. Remember that yep. concept? D- yeah. Well,
0: next, see, okay. Next week, uh, next, this weekend coming, I've got a Bucks party that's going to go all weekend and that's my birthday. So, okay, I'm running out of time. Fairsies. Just getting on you top got of it. it. You got it. Yep. Thank you. I'm looking forward to talking about that in a big way. I can't mm. wait to see what you think about that. In the meantime, though, thank you very much for listening to Hunting Seasons. We will see you next time. Until then, catch you later. Bye. Bye. <music>
1: Melbourne's Podcast Network, earbudsnetwork.com.